Hi, this is Johnny Kane. You're listening to the Chasing Dreams podcast with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Hey, Dream Chasers, this is Amy J. And thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of Chasing Dreams. This is episode number 46, and I have a fun guest for you guys. And when I came across his story, it was very neat because I've never heard of this before, what he does. His name is John Kenny. He's the founder of Orlando Dueling Pianos. It was awarded the best business in the area of music for 2015 in the city of Orlando in Florida, if you don't know. Orlando Dueling Pianos specializes in live dueling piano music for Mm -hmm. weddings and corporate events. John is also a world-renowned traveler and speaker, and he's been gracious enough to take some time out of his busy day to come and talk with us and share a little bit about what he's doing and his story. And I can't thank him enough. John, thank you so much for coming on here. Hi, Amy. Thank you. I, uh, I'm, I'm excited for this podcast. This is, a, this is a really fun thing. I mean, have you always been into pianos and music? Yeah, I started... Um, I started developing a passion for music when I was very young. Uh, I would say four or five years old, but I wanted to play the violin. I don't know why. I, I think because I grew up on John Denver music and Kenny Rogers and stuff like that. Uh, my parents were really into country music when I was really little. So I think I wanted to play the violin, but really I wanted to play the fiddle. And then once I realized that was too expensive, I wanted to play the drums. And then once I realized that I didn't want to learn how to play the drums, drum pads. I kind of gave up on music until high school. Um, and then that's where I started learning, uh, you know, singing. Uh, I was in choir and I learned piano. Now, did you take um, formal lessons for piano or did just, was there like an innate talent that just had to be practiced? I took about six months worth of lessons until I, until I quit doing the lessons because I was practicing so much on my own that I figured, well, my, my teacher's just showing me everything that's in this book. And I, if I just follow the book, then I, then I don't need to pay for lessons. So I'll just keep, I'll just keep playing and I'll figure it out on my own. And so that's kind of what I did. I, I really learned from ear. Um, and I really only did it to like try to impress the, the girls in my, in my choir class. <laughs> did it work? Which, um, yeah, to an extent. Um, I mean, I was sitting around, um, you know, I'm, I was a football player. I ran track. And um, one day I saw one of the guys in choir playing, playing the piano in like the pit orchestra before the school play rehearsal. And all the cheerleaders that had, you know, come to cheer us on to play football they were all sitting around the piano listening to him play. And I was like, oh, that's how you get, get the ladies. Okay. That's so the, guys. You hear that? <laughs> I, don't, I don't necessarily think that's always true. But my 16-year-old mind was like, oh, I need to learn the, to play the piano if I want to get a girlfriend. <laughs> you you know, know, so. From, from uh, a female perspective, I wouldn't say it hurts, though, if you could. <laughs> okay. Saying. I always say, I always say uh, guys, sing along because 
chicks dig a guy that can sing and sometimes that's true uh but i mean i guess like out of vain or out of my own like oh i need to learn how to do that now uh that's probably why i started playing and then uh and then i didn't care about girls because i loved i fell in love with the piano so that's kind of like the long and short of it well so i learned piano years and years and ages ago and i can't say that it was something i was very good at and practicing for me was like torture it was like it was something that my parents wanted me to have a skill and whatnot, and I actually loved the guitar more than the piano, but at the time we couldn't afford it. So I learned the piano, but I can't say I loved it so much that I would always practice. So for you, it sounds like you, you really enjoyed it. Practicing wasn't a hardship. I um we in, in our choir room and like in our music department I guess because we had a choir room and our band room and then there's this hallway in between them and down that hallway were all these little practice rooms that we had upright pianos in and um I would stay after school and like skip football practice <laughs> to like sit and play the piano for wow. like for hours on end because there was always something going on after school there were usually you know musical instrument lessons or our choir director was giving voice lessons or there was some kind of lessons going on so there was always something going on back there and i could just kind of sneak into one of the rooms and just play until they started shutting the lights off and then uh, that was my cue to like okay i probably should start going home and my parents knew that i was staying after because i stayed after school all the time i was constantly involved in something whether it was sports related or the school musical or whatever um so it was just kind of agreed upon that you know i just come home at five o'clock or whatever instead of three o'clock so so i would just kind of sit there and play and get lost because i think my brain just lit up like understanding the science of playing the piano and what it does for the brain now it just turned on new neural pathways for me that um kind of gave me something that i was really lacking in life like confidence and um you know i was probably a little bit depressed in my early teens um and then all that kind of went away when music came into my life so it's definitely something that i, I would say came really natural to me that i absolutely loved well, that's amazing that it had that kind of an impact on you. And I've heard art can do that for a person. It really can. I, th- I think it, there's something extremely therapeutic about it. And, uh, but plus, it, it really helps that my, uh, my high school choir and our band and everything, it was kind of like one big family of outcasts from like the rest of the school because we weren't cool, you know? Uh, <laughs> you know, we were in choir. We were doing music. It's like, oh, that's that's kind of lame. And it's like, no, actually, it's really fun. And everybody here is really supportive and non-judgmental. And, um, we, you know, we had really good role models, though. Our choir director and our band director were both excellent role models for all the kids that went through their program. So um, a lot of credit needs to go to everything that those guys did to help everybody that went through their programs. And that's just, that's just the beginning, you know, that's just high school. Well, that's actually a good point. So, you know, the one thing people face, especially teenagers is the pressure of college and the pressure of what do you do next? I mean, did you know what you wanted to do and did you change it to music? Was music it? Music was it. Um, you know, I didn't really know going through high school what I was going to do. I just figured I was going to follow the path that everybody else followed, where you just eventually go off to college and you pick a major. And then whatever you ma- the major you pick is becomes your career, your quote-unquote career. Yeah. Um, so 
so I um I didn't get very good grades in my senior year of high school, so college kind of never happened for me. Um, I I went to several schools of music, and I, and this is all in Michigan, by the way. So I went to like. Uh, the University of Michigan. I went to Michigan State University and Central Michigan University, and I auditioned for their schools of music. And I was accepted to all of them, but I wasn't accepted to any of the academic schools because they have really high standards for their academics and their grades. Um, so what I did, my plan was to just get a job and do like community college until I could get my grades up enough to go to the University of Michigan right. or, 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 or one of the other schools, but University of Michigan was my priority. Um, and instead, I, I played in bands <laughs> and uh, developed music and uh, realized that, well, maybe if I just get really good at music, then I don't actually need to go to college. Um, so I did that for three years, and then um, I had a lot of fun along the way, and I worked a lot of different jobs, and I played a lot of music for free. Um, but then I decided to go to broadcast school um, after three years of not going to college. So I did like a an eight-month program which was the equivalent of an entire collegiate degree um because you you had to go to school five days a week but you your only focus was broadcasting um so i learned a lot about television and radio and um some of the technical skills that uh, go along with that sort of thing but you know i i still played music and i met other musicians in the process and i figured i could play music at the radio station and so music was kind of always that that center point for me Right. So uh, what what is broadcast school? Broadcast school. Uh, so that's uh, for anyone that's looking to get into TV or radio, whether it's um, you want to be a TV personality or you just want to be a producer or a director at a TV station um, or a cameraman. I, my first job out of broadcast school was actually doing an overnight weekend shift in a small town radio station uh, where I was a DJ. And then... Um, and then I ran the teleprompter at a TV station. Wow. So, and that paid, you know, minimum wage. So, you know, five bucks an hour back then, um, <laughs> which I realized now nah, I can probably still make more money playing music. <laughs> and it's something you enjoyed. I mean, it sounds like uh, even what you, when you were talking about broadcast school that, you know, music was the center of your decisions here. Yeah, absolutely. And it was something that um, I always found fascinating anyway. So I I was always um, – I was kind of like the jack of all trades and the master of none for a very, very long time. Uh, I just learned a lot of different things because I was always fascinated with lots of different um, – lots of different areas. Um, but, you know, I just kind of dabbled in them all. <laughs> and then you – curious, do you remember the name of your first band? Yeah, the name of uh, my first band because I came up with it with, um, I think the lead singer's girlfriend. Um, <laughs> we called it we called it the Blue Room, and we were, were a five piece band. Yeah, the the Blue Room. Wow, and so you guys played gigs. You were at bars and food chains and stuff like that, just playing. Yeah, so we actually started out playing like um, in our small town in Howell, Michigan. We have these you know little crazy community festivals throughout the summer one of them is called the melon fest and it's because we have um really nice uh cantaloupe and honeydew melons that grow in that area so they just have this giant festival that's all about melons why not and so we were right out of high school our first gig was actually playing at the courthouse amphitheater where there was always free live entertainment for families 
Um, <laughs> so it, the actual first name of the band was uh, Live Family Entertainment <laughs> because we didn't have a name when we first played that uh, that first gig. Wow. Um, <laughs> and it was just a bunch of cover tunes, you know, it was a bunch of songs that we liked. Um, and then that developed into, well, we're going to continue to be a band and write songs. And so we started playing house parties. And then eventually we moved on to playing in the bars and nightclubs because we were young, so we weren't really allowed to be in there until we turned 21. Wow. So Okay, so you have this life. You're surviving, right? Is that safe to say that you were surviving financially yeah. and you were kind of doing what you enjoyed? Yeah, I, I, was, um, I was still working jobs. We were all working some sort of job, but then in the evening we got together to, to play music. At some point, did you go off on your own? Yeah, eventually, um, you know, bands break up. Um, people kind of split and go off in different directions. And so uh, a hybrid of the band I was in turned into like six different bands. And I played with every single one of them, actually, because I was still friends with everybody that was in that original band. Um, it, it may have even been more than that. I don't really remember. It, there was just so much. The Detroit music scene is absolutely exploding all the time with really talented um, music groups, um, musicians, solo artists, things like that. So we just kind of all went our separate ways and did our own thing. And eventually um, I was recording with one of those bands at the University of Michigan. Uh, they have a really excellent recording studio. And our drummer was actually attending school there at that point. And um, somebody said, uh, somebody asked me if I've ever done dueling pianos because they heard me playing like this really large concert grand piano um, in the recording studio, which is there for you know them to record piano music on, of course. And I, I said, no, I've, I've never really thought about that. I'd never heard of dueling pianos before. So this was like 2003, like the beginning of 2003, maybe the end of 2002. And um, uh, somebody said, well, here, you go down to Lansing sometime, check this place out. So I said, that, you know what? That sounds really fascinating. I'll... I'll try that out. And then as soon as I started looking for dueling piano bars, now many of them are popping up in the Michigan area. So that was the first time I'd actually seen it. And then... Um, okay, so I, for those who don't know, can you explain a little bit about what dueling pianos is? Yeah, dueling pianos is basically a circus provided by two musicians. Um, that, it's, a, it's just the wildest, craziest... Um, experience because it's a mixture of you know music sing along um and and comedy that really shouldn't be there it's just a, a really entertaining evening um especially if you've never seen it before you're just kind of knocked off your socks a little bit like i was because the guys were playing rock and roll music and it was all on piano they were making the piano look really cool uh something that i always had a hard time doing <laughs> and um People were into it. They were singing along to, you know, Bon Jovi and Billy Joel music. And then there's, um, you know, just a lot of witty banter back and forth between the two guys. And sometimes there's a drum set and um, sometimes somebody comes up and does some sort of bit on stage, you know, for their birthday. So they get roasted for their birthday or um, <clears throat> or they're getting married and they're having a bachelorette party. And it's utter chaos most of the night. And it just turns into just a crazy circus of music and comedy and fun. It's live entertainment. Yeah. It's, it's theater. It's That's really awesome. theater. Yeah. It, it's one of those things where you just you never know what's going to happen. And you just kind of 
follow a structure. So I had never seen this before. Um, there's plenty of videos of dueling piano bars on YouTube. If anybody's never heard of it and they want to check it out, or they can obviously uh, come see the kind of thing that we do. Um, but I, I was really interested in it. So I, um, I found the guy that was kind of in charge and I left him my number and he called me six months later and offered me a job. <laughs> you know, so wow. one of those things where like, yeah, they didn't really have an opening at that point or he lost it. And, um, then, uh, so I started, I started doing the training and, um, all of a sudden I, you know, I was making money playing music, like more money than I was making before. I, I would play musical theater for, you know, high schools and community theaters and things like that. And I would play the piano for their entire show. Maybe, maybe as a rehearsal pianist or, um, you know, orchestra conductor, uh, you know, things like that. And, and then I would play in the pit and, you know, you would make 300 bucks for three months worth of work. Um, which when you're, when you're 21 or 22 and you're, and you're discovering music, that's awesome. You're making money. I was going to say, that music. seems like a lot. You're like, Oh, this is fantastic. And then, you know, I end up at a piano bar where we're making, um, you know, up to $500 a night because of tips and the salary is very good considering the skilled tasks that, it takes to actually be a seasoned dueling piano player. Well, so, that's definitely more than minimum wage. That's a little bit more than minimum wage. <laughs> it's a little bit more than five fifteen an hour in nineteen ninety eight, which is I think that's what it was then. Um, but you're still working in the middle of the night, <laughs> so uh, you, you go. I guess you go with the money. But that's I mean, it all started out from like, hey, this is just kind of a fun thing to. Oh, this is a career, and I can make money doing it. Oh, that's cool. All right. So that was your thing. That was it. That's I, I fell into. Yeah, I, I accidentally fell into dueling pianos, and that's what my life has been for the last fourteen years now. And you've been actually doing it at one of my favorite places in the world, Walt Disney World. Yeah, I I, I have. It's um, it, it's been a life changing experience to be in Orlando and to play at Disney World. Now, is that something that you had always intended, or something that just kind of? fell upon you uh, so when i first started doing pianos i had actually just gotten married also and um for our honeymoon we came to disney world <clears throat> and i came to this place called jelly rolls uh which was the dueling piano bar people were saying to me hey if you're going to disney world check out this place they're the best and they literally were i walked in and it was just levels of fun that i've never seen before even from our own show and of course i was still brand new but, you know, some of the uh, guys that were playing that night are still there. Um, I'm still working with them. And I've gotten to become really good friends with these guys several years later. But uh, it, I, was really, I was really interested in it. And I, I don't know how it worked to get a job there. And it's very, um, it's very selective. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of like auditioning for American Idol where like, oh, yeah, there's, there's 100 guys that are going to audition. And one of them is actually going to get to work here, like that kind of thing. Uh, um, a little bit, but at the same time, it's like, well, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. Um, so, you know, fast forward in time, um, six or seven years from that point, and somebody had said, oh, yeah, there's an opening down here. So I used to work there. I'm going to go fill in for them until they find somebody. I was like, oh, well, I've always thought that would be really interesting to work there. Uh, you know, put in a good word for me. It's like, yeah, you're great. Of course I will. And people say that all the time. Yeah, I'll put in a good word for you. And, and you they never hear anything afterwards. Yeah, no, you never hear anything. 
And then I was I was just kind of shocked when the following week I got a phone call from the owner who said we would like to have you come down and audition. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So, uh, how does it work? He's like, well, we're here, so you figure out how to get here, and we'll see you when you come in. And I was like, oh, <laughs> so you really got to put your money where your mouth is. Right, so, I, okay, so, okay. so I got to book a flight. I got to get a hotel room. So I had my one day vacation at Disney World where I flew in. I auditioned. The next day I flew out. <laughs> That's that's uh, something to remember. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I did enjoy the pool for the couple hours that I was at the hotel that I was at. Um, Way to make the most of it. I tried. It was March and it was still snowing in Michigan and it was eighty degrees in Florida. So I was like, oh, this looks this looks kind of nice. I could really see myself living here. This might be this might be interesting. And I did not think I was going to get it. I was like, these guys hate me. They're they're not going to they're not going to hire me. Um, I had a, I had I lost my voice, so I wasn't able to sing well. Oh, no. um, I I didn't really play too well because I was kind of nervous, and um, I left. And then I had an opportunity to go work in um, the Philippines of all places, and um, I said, "Hey, look, I'm going to take this gig in the Philippines." And they said, "No, don't do that. We want to hire you. Why don't you come back down here in May, and we'll and we'll wrap this thing up?" And I said, "Oh." Well, all right then. So, uh, and then I asked them years later, I was like, why did you hire me? I had the worst audition ever. And they said, well, you had a really good personality. We can develop your piano playing and all that stuff, but um, we can't teach having a personality. So that's why we hired you. And I was like, oh, well, very (laughs) cool. I I had no idea what I was actually auditioning for then, you know? (laughs) Right. You thought it was just the piano, but um, you, you won because you were yourself. I guess so. Uh, which is something that had never worked for me ever before. <laughs> you know, hey, the right opportunities come and you just be yourself. Sometimes it, things work out. Well, you know, I, I feel that's really, really interesting about that whole process is, you know, there's a few key things that I said here where, uh, I, where I came to Florida even for one day and I said I could really see myself living here. And I really believe in, um, you know, the power of, you know, visualization and attaching emotion to that kind of thing because I think that really moves you into the direction of your dreams when you're actually going out there and pursuing them. Even just from like kind of a woo-woo metaphysical standpoint, I believe that there's power in that. Whether it just kind of lines you up in the right way or just makes you focused and motivated towards the thing that you really want to do. And I, I think because I loved Disney and I loved music, just all these things kind of played out on their own and I didn't worry about it. I just kind of let it go and, and then it kind of showed up. So I'm extremely grateful for the opportunity because if I had not come to Disney, uh, I would not have my own business and I would not be actually quitting my job and going all out, um, you know, and, and doing, doing some amazing things that I'm about to be doing for over the next year. Congratulations. So you're going to be leaving Walt Disney world, which I'm assuming is like a steady job of sorts. So, you know, that safety, that comfort, and you're going full out on your own. Yeah, I've, I've been here for seven years, and um, I've really learned a lot, um, especially, you know, doing things the Disney way, the attention to detail, the highest possible standard. Um, and I've applied that stuff to my own business that I've built over the last couple of years. And now it's just time to, you know, go out on my own and make it happen. Um, and I, I, I've got, I've literally got, as of the time that we're recording this episode, I've got two days left. So in two days, I'm going to be unemployed, but happily unemployed. I mean, I love them. 
I love being there, but you know, it's kind of time to go out, get out of the nest and go do my own thing. So, so this means that Orlando dueling pianos are going to be 24 seven you. Yeah. And, and I think that if I have a little bit more time to actually work on the business, then I can grow it to be even bigger than what it already is because I've literally been building it for like a couple hours a week for the last two years, you know. Can I um, ask a little bit about what it went into the thought process of, of stepping away from something that was safe and comfortable to, you know, taking this chance? And I'm sure given how popular, I mean, awarded best business in 2015 to focusing on this full time how do you make that leap do you do you look at numbers do you kind of look into yourself or what well so i have a daughter who actually lives in indiana and um because that was my first marriage i'm actually married again um fool me once (laughs) but no uh no my wife now is absolutely great my ex-wife's fantastic i have great relationships with everybody in my life but my daughter is in indiana full-time with her mom she only comes to visit once every three months and so because of having to work um full time it's hard to get away it's hard to get that time off and uh travel and make time for her so um, that was one of my things like, well, how do I get her to be more in my life? Well, I need a little bit more time. Well, how do I get more time? Well, I have to make more money so that I can work less over here. And so throughout this thought process, the, there was always a thought of creating some sort of business. And um, this is just the one that works. What the businesses you're not seeing, Amy, and Amy's audience are the 50 that I tried and failed uh, before I got here. And it maybe even it's more than that. But I think I launched over like 100 different websites and tried to do some sort of business with them until they all failed and hit the ground miserably. One of them was um, a Disney related business, uh, Disney tips, so to speak. Um, And then um, I just uh, I couldn't handle it. It was it was very it was pressured. It was confusing. And then somebody said, you're trying all these businesses. Actually, it was my friend Rob. He, you're trying all these businesses. Why don't you just do dueling pianos? That's what you know. And everybody else had said, why don't you just do that? That's what you're good at. So I finally said, all right, well, let's, let's see what happens if I do this. And then, of course, it explodes and turns into the most successful thing I've ever done in my life. So it's like, okay, well, I guess I'm kind of an idiot for not just seeing what was obviously right in front of me. And that's what um, every internet entrepreneur would tell you. It's like, well, find what you're really good at and then do that. And I thought I was really good at all these other things, and I really wasn't. Um, And I was like, oh, yeah, well, this is my job. This is what I've been doing the most, so this is what I should probably do. Uh, So, Is that why you resisted so long? Because you thought you were good at something else rather than focusing on what you're talented at? No, I resisted because I thought that I wanted to get out of dueling pianos. And really what it what it was is I wanted to get out of the late night bar scene. Because if because when we're playing weddings or we're playing some sort of corporate event, they usually don't go beyond midnight. Um so I can still get home, get a night's rest and wake up early in the morning, which is my goal. I'm I'm totally a morning person and I never wake up before ten AM now. And I really want to be up at six AM. So um so anyway, that's part of it. But I, I just I felt like, you know, I was going to be stuck doing the same kind of thing that I was doing working in all the bars. And really, it's nothing like that at all. It turns out it's actually much more enjoyable. You got to lug some equipment around, but it's still really fun. And there's that whole satisfaction of, you know, hey, I own all this equipment and I know how to set it up and tear it down and make it sound good and look nice. And um, so all that stuff just kind of plays into 
the satisfaction of actually doing the work. Um, even even though it's kind of like one of those businesses that you still have to work in, it's still something that I'm creating on my own terms and um, making people happy with. I'm, I'm making memories for people at their weddings. I'm showing them the best time of their life on the most important day of their life. So, Which can be a stressful time. And the fact that you're bringing that kind of joy to their lives and to the people that are there for them, that's awesome. And that's totally the goal is to get rid of the stress for them because the whole wedding planning process is very stressful. Um, trust me, I've done it twice. <laughs> <laughs> you can only take so much stress. Uh, but, you know, when you can cut some of those things out and you can give them something to really look forward to, um, they're, they're extremely grateful. And it's nice to see that you can make people feel good. And that's, that's really what my company and my whole philosophy on life is. We just want to bring the fun and make people feel really good and forget about, uh, you know, their worries. And there's strife. I'm quoting the bare necessities from the Jungle Book, but but it's true, you know. Well, the, John, how how long would you say it was for you to resist before you switched over? I mean, you said what well, the thing we don't see is the 50 failed businesses or ventures that you tried. Um, I mean, I know myself. I've tried. I'm trying a number of different things. I'm sure there are other people. How long did it take before it kind of the light bulb went off for you? So this just happened recently because um, when you work for Disney, you work uh, on a contracted basis. And so I had, a, I had two contracts. The first one was for three years and the second one was for four years. And so I kind of saw this ticking clock going for the last couple of years going, okay, well, once we get around to June 2016, uh, we're not going to sign another contract. There's not going to be a job there. Uh, but it wasn't until last week where I actually totally fr- uh, froke out. Um, my, that's something my daughter says. I don't know if anybody else says that. It's broke like the, out. it's like the past tense of freak. <laughs> like I'm gonna freak out. Okay, I already froke out. Uh, Does that make sense? Okay. <laughs> uh, I like that. I, I learn things from my daughter all the time. She's 13, <laughs> so she she taught me that one. Um, I kind of froke out a little bit because I was like, oh my god, I'm not gonna have a job. What am I gonna do? Like I like the whole transition, and and they had already hired somebody to replace me because they needed another full time player, and I thought I'm so easily replaceable. Oh my god, I I can't, I'm not going to have work. I can't come back if I change my mind. What if I totally fail? I'm not going to have a place to come back to, and and I just lost my mind, and I felt really hurt, and I felt really frustrated, and I felt like I didn't really matter. And um, the next day, I just realized all that was really just my. My brain saying, "Look, we're about to go do something different. Get ready." Um, but I, but I totally looked at it the wrong way. It was really, really scary. Lots of fear for several days just kind of set in, and then there was this extreme tipping point um, the day before Memorial Day, where I was like, "This is reality. Oh my god, I'm not going to work here anymore. This is really scary. This is all I've known for seven years, you know. And working in bars—that's all I've ever known for like 20 years now." And then it took some talking to my wife and her parents, actually, because they were here visiting. And um, I realized that, you know what, it's just because I haven't done this yet. And as soon as I do, if I actually sit back and look at everything I've got set up in place, the next six months are going to be fine. They're, they're going to be better because I'm going to be working less and still have money coming in. Um, so once I was able to kind of sit back and look at, well, what's the game plan over the next few months, then uh, the, the, the freaking out kind of stopped and I was able to breathe and actually look forward to it. So I'm actually super excited about it. But at first, yeah, it was really, really scary. So now that you have this, uh, I guess you would call acceptance, do you have a sense of peace of mind? 
Absolutely. I'm totally looking forward to it. In fact, I've even um, been told, hey, you know, we might need you to come fill in a couple of times uh, back over here at, at Jelly Rolls, you know, once in a while. Are you, are you going to be open to that? I said, yeah, if I pop in, you know, once a month and, you know, play a night with you guys, that I would actually really look forward to that. Maybe I'll come in with a way better attitude and, um, you know, just have, have it be something to look forward to rather than, oh, this is my job I'm stuck in. Like, yeah. I get to go do something really fun. Right. And I find it really interesting that the change in perspective there, right? You're, you're talented. Dueling pianos is something you fell in love with, but it kind of turned into a job, something you didn't look forward to necessarily. But when you were doing your own business, you did enjoy it. Yeah, I, I, I found ways to enjoy it. Actually, when I first came to Disney, I, I really enjoyed it because it was really a whole new world of how dueling pianos works. And just, I mean, really the, the concept of dueling pianos itself is just super fun. But when, you're, when you add in like all your favorite Disney music and you're doing a family-friendly show and um, it, it takes a little bit more brain power, a little bit more creativity, and you have people that are supporting you and helping you get better. They're coaching you through it and just turning you into a better musician and a better entertainer. It's it was something really to look forward to, and now it's like here's the next thing to look forward to, and I'm always finding new things to love about what I do, and I think that's something that's really important when you're going after your dreams. You always have to find something new about what you what you're doing, some sort of new realization that keeps you excited about it, because it can get mundane, it can get minutia. And if and if you don't stay passionate about it, if you don't stay excited about it, you you you'll end up quitting it. I think that's really important. I mean, I, I never thought about that like that, but you make a great point on how you can have a dream and it can change where you gotta keep it fresh. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um if you don't, um it it hurts and you kinda lose a sense of purpose. Cause I've I've done that. I think maybe we've all done that where we just kind of lose that sense of purpose of what are we really doing this for? Um, there's a really great book. Um, it's called start with why I forget who the author is. Um, but it's just the, the concept of, you know, knowing why you're doing what you're doing. And then I, I think that part of the why is to, uh, you know, because you love it. And so you have to remind yourself that you love it. And that's why it's good to have those little things pop up, uh, once in a while, something new to look forward to, to, to make it fresh again, to make you go, Oh yeah, I still do love playing the piano. Right. Cause I'd hate to think that something you love get turned into something you hate when really it's not that it's just the circumstances that you're doing it in. Yeah. You get bored and then it's like, well, then why am I really doing this? And so, yeah, absolutely. Just comes that. Mm-hmm. Well, John, thank you so much for sharing the story. Cause I think hearing how you went through and what you went through uh, at Walt Disney and how you decided to go on your own full time and still keep your dream. It's not like you've, you've changed it it's still your dream it's just how you're using it that's changed i think it's important for people to hear yeah i i'm i i think it's a really kind of a fun story the more i've been telling it to people uh the more i realize you know what i mean it's it's just my life um but i but i find that sharing your circumstances and the kind of stuff that you you're going through the challenges you face might actually really help somebody and so I, you know, that's why I do things like come on shows like this where we've got excellent hosts who are really trying to do the same thing. They're trying to inspire other people. Um, 
I, I, I hope that maybe this kind of stru- uh, struck a chord with somebody, not to just use a musical term there, but I mean, literally, I, I, I really want to help other people do the same thing. And I know you do too. So thank you for having me. I appreciate it. No, absolutely. But before I let you go, though, John, one thing we try to do with everyone is try to get a, a little feedback from them. You know, what is one thing, whether it be a, a resource, a, a piece of advice, a quote, if you will, uh, that you would recommend to someone who's chasing their dreams, especially after your experience? Um, the the piece of advice I would get is, um, you know, first of all, know why you're doing it. Uh, know why you're going after your dreams because sometimes your dreams can change. Uh, you think you really want one thing and then the further down the path you get, uh, you realize maybe that maybe that dream has shifted a little bit. Maybe it's now something a little bit differently. Um, so really know why you want it, not just the what. Um, the result is important, but knowing why you want the result is more important, I think. And enjoy the, the ride because the journey is really what it's all about. Uh, it feels like it's about getting to the destination, but really just kind of sit back and taking the people that you meet along the way because they're not always going to be there. They're not going to be there forever. You're not going to see them every day all the time and find what you appreciate about all those people and know that they're going through something too. Just really have empathy for those people and um, love them as much as you can and be an inspiration to them and um, don't react. Take, take in the moments, Um, be silent every day just for a little while and just enjoy life along the way. Find something to love. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, John. Thank you, Amy. And that was John Kenny. What an amazing guy, right? Dueling pianos. How cool is that? And I hope you guys listen to what he's saying. Figure out your why. You need to know your why. Everything kind of circle around your why. Okay? So you can find all the show notes and any of the links mentioned today, as well as a little bit more about John on the show notes page for this episode at chasingdreamshq.com slash episode 46. That's episode 46. Until next time, Dream Chasers, keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21, that's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week, and until then, keep chasing. Keep chasing.